Hello and welcome back to SF Live. This is episode 167, and this is an interesting one because it's completely out of the ordinary. We, we usually never talk battery metals or uh, lithium in particular here on the show. We were more focused on the precious metals and base metals to a degree, so I'm really excited to be joined by Howard Klein in a few short seconds. He's the founder of RK Equity Advisors out of New York, if I'm not mistaken, Howard. And... Uh, we will be chatting about the lithium market, the price development of lithium, impacts of lithium, supply restrictions, and all the good stuff. And I'm actually on the contra camp on lithium, so I'm really excited to learn more from Howard and his perspectives on how lithium is shaping up and how it's a big part of the green energy revolution. But before we switch over to Howard, be reminded, of course, to follow us on YouTube and on Twitter and to turn on that little bell notification as well, because we do all our interviews live. That way you do have an advantage if you tune in live, of course. Also, Howard will be showing or presenting a couple of his top picks in the sector as well. So you do have a bit of an advantage by watching live. Also, and uh, this is an interactive format. If you do have any questions for Howard, make sure to use either hashtag AskRK on Twitter and we will see that. Or just respond in the YouTube or just write your question in the YouTube chat and it'll pop up here as well. And we'll sprinkle the question in either during the conversation or right after with, uh, with Howard as well. Now, that's it from my end, actually. Let's switch over to Mr. Howard Klein. Howard, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Kai. It's great to have you on. As I said, like uh, I have a bit of a negative view almost on the battery metal space, and it shows that uh, we barely had any battery companies or battery metal companies here on the program, right? So I'm really excited to actually have you on to to get educated. And uh, before we do that, though, give us a bit of a background. Who's Howard Klein, and what does RK Equity Advisors do? Well, thanks for that. Uh, yeah, so I've been, RK Equity has been in business about uh, 18 years or 19 years, uh, 2002. Um, I'm a former equity salesperson uh, in in New York, and uh, I had the good fortune of being introduced to uh, Robert Friedland in uh, 2002 when he was talking about the original Ivanhoe mines in Mongolia. And uh, he hired me to, uh, at the end of a very big bear market post Briex uh, from 98 to 2002, um, and, uh, you know, told us all about the super cycle, you know, about China and how Mongolia was going to feed China, uh, you know, with copper. And uh, so that's how I started this business. And we've been representing and advising, you know, pre-revenue uh, uh, Canadian, Australian, you know, UK, uh, you know, listed companies with assets all over the world. About 12 years ago, I started uh, focusing on lithium in the uh, original Obama administration, uh, when the Nissan Leaf and um, I guess Tesla was just you know starting back then, and there was a stimulus post financial crisis, we were representing a company called Western Lithium, which is now today Lithium Americas uh, and, and a deposit you know in Nevada. Uh, for seven years, the first seven of my twelve years in lithium, I focused you know kind of exclusively on that. But I wasn't just doing lithium at that point; I focused exclusively on lithium and battery materials about five years ago. And uh, we had a very good upcycle from 2016 to 2018. We had a bit of a bear market from, you know, 18 to 20, uh, the mid, mid 20. And uh, since um, around the summer of last year, we're in what I call kind of like lithium 3.0. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a very significant and I think will be longer duration you know, upcycle, you know, mining megastorm, you know, some people are calling it, you know, super cycle, whatever you want to call it. And we're not just focused on lithium, we're doing some stuff in graphite, and nickel, and, and are looking at some of these other niche materials, which are not well understood, 
um, and generally have a, a, a negative perception from people like you, um, who, uh, after 166 episodes, um, are finally getting around to battery material. Like, yeah, we're not against learning, right? Like we're here to listen and learn. So that's why we have you on. And it's fantastic to actually have that conversation because some part of it is also based on bad experience on my part. So I, I did some work with a company back in 2015, 16 in the battery metal space, and it never really caught on. I was more focused on graphite back then, but also, and we, we talked briefly offline before we went live here, um, the, the original uh, lithium concept as well was like, you, well, you don't need more supply. You got the four big producers and uh, that, that's pretty much it. They can just turn on the tabs and it, they'll supply the market. But uh, apparently I'm completely wrong and I'd love to learn why and uh, what, what, what the story there is and how can we ob obviously benefit from it. Uh, well, so look, on the demand side, uh, there's been some false starts. I mean, the, the actual in lithium, specifically, the lithium industry has grown 10, 15% every year for the last 10 years, but it was off of a low base. And so for, it, we've been talking about it growing from, let's say, 150,000 tons. Now it's 350,000 tons, and it's still growing that fast. It will grow. Our new forecasts are 2.9 million tons by 2030. So that's a giant leap from 350 to 2.9. But all of the seers and believers in the electrification of, um, uh, you know, of transport and elsewhere, uh, you know, the, there were some false starts, the Nissan Leaf, the Chevy Volt, you know, you've had um, a lot of disputes, a lot of uh, false narratives out there. So it's really only been with Tesla's great success in the past, you know, 12 to 15 months, that uh, uh, you know, it's become conventional wisdom that electric cars are the future. And uh, what else you had was you had a lot of policy that was driven by China, and in Europe, you know, not so much. But there was Dieselgate, you know, from Volkswagen that was around 2015, and Volkswagen and the rest of Europe started getting you know on on you know the policy movement toward uh, electrification. And and once that happened in Europe. Investors in the West on the demand side were like, okay, if it, they don't trust China or they don't trust data in China or there could be like, you know, false starts. But in Europe, it's very, it's policy driven. It's very specific policy. In the US, you've had a bit of a laggard. Now you're with the Biden administration, you're, you're going to have you know, rocket fuel on the demand side for, um, you know, the electrification. So, so you're being burned in graphite. You know, there's lots of stories like that. There was a lot of hype and there's, you know, in yeah. Canada, there's a machine of like, okay, this is the hottest thing. And then all of a sudden it's not so hot. So you went to cannabis and you went to psychedelics and, you know, and then, you know, so that's the nature of Vancouver and, and Canadian markets. Um, it, it's, it's very fast moving, um, but it has left a bad taste in a number of mouths um, of companies who did think that they were hearing something great. And so these are niche complicated, um, not well understood markets in the way that base metals, gold, silver, uh, uh, you know, everyone knows about gold. And, uh, you know, there's a large installed base of analysis uh, in in Canada for that. These metals are very new, they're very niche, they're very fast growing. And they're, they're not commodities, they're specialty chemicals, the actual variation of the mineral that goes into the battery needs to be of exceptionally high purity. And and battery chemistries are changing, so th it, it, there's a lot to learn. And um, 
So that's that's the demand and that's the complexity of it. On the supply side, there's also this pervasive, and this was pushed by SQM, that the Atacama, you know, lithium is abundant, right? So the the, the narrative of, uh, let's say, a Robert Friedland or a, a Rick Rule, um, you know, who, who looks at the world of supply and demand and, and uh, what's the installed base of these minerals, you know, in the earth. And it's true that lithium is among the most abundant, but it's often in low concentrations and it's often in not great locations. And the ability to process it is not, uh, you know, the high purity battery material, uh, battery grade material is not so easy. But the Atacama is huge. There are high concentrations in the Atacama and SQM who does, who, who treats other things like commodities, like their potash business, like their iodine business, like to put out there that don't worry, we got you covered. We, you know, and they, they did in part hurt the market in 2009 or 10 when the market was much smaller. But what's happened is that they don't they don't own their asset, right? It's a, it's a license. It's owned by the government, and there's been a lot of um, you know environmental and indigenous you know questions raised in water. Water issues, water's a big issue. Uh, yes, you know, in the driest place on earth. So their ability to expand at the pace that they're uh, talking about is, is is not there. And then more importantly is the quality because they have attempted SQM has pursued a commodity-like behavior to the lithium market in the past two to three years. They've made the pronouncements and they're delivering like crazy, but the quality of the product that they're delivering is not good. So they've crashed the price of low-grade you know, lithium carbonate, um, but that still needs to be upgraded. And uh, so, so the ability, it's just not possible. Like SQM can't do it functionally they can't do it you know operationally because they're, they're just not you know great at producing the, the level of quality and then the demand side is just growing so much that assets in other locations have to grow and and where it's been growing the most has been in australia and it's and it's not brine deposits it's hard rock deposits so the biggest growth in the industry is actually happening you know in hard rock uh, for the the product, which is the most premium high price product, which is lithium hydroxide. And in, in that context, there's a huge opportunity, which I want to talk about within Canada and North America, where there are very good projects in, um, you know, hard rock in Quebec and Ontario, and uh, as well, some new technologies of brines, you know, direct lithium extraction, you know, in Alberta, that uh, are very promising and, and are likely to become part of the lithium supply over the next, you know, several years. It is really interesting. Like, let's hone down on the supply part in general. Like, where, where are we at in terms of like total numbers? Like, what is being supplied right now? What do you see coming on stream? It reminds me a bit of the po uh, the copper business as well. Like, we see huge demand growth because of the green energy revolution. But we don't see a lot of development in terms of lithium production. At least I I'm not. So can you give us an update there? Like, where are we on the supply side? So lithium demand is about 350,000 tons, okay? And uh, call it, for ease of math, uh, a $10,000 ton on average, right? Last year, the prices were going as low as six or 7,000 for lower quality material. For some higher quality material, it, it, it was quite a bit higher. Um, and there have been some 
built projects that have gone bankrupt, right? Or that have been, uh, you know, if not mothballed, then slowed down. So there are a number of projects that can be turned on um, in hard rock, you know, mined lithium. Um, that's only part of it, though. The, the hard rock needs to be converted to lithium chemicals. Um, and there are some idled plants, you know, in China that could do that. So it's it's a little bit opaque, you know, where the supply is and how fast, you know, the, the supply will ramp. But we, we've been in a period of time where, uh, you know, the, the, the lithium suppliers, again, there have been some bankruptcies. So you had some undisciplined kind of, you know, supply. And now you're having a lot more discipline and the prices of lithium have started to rise in some cases, a hundred percent, um, you know, for lithium carbonate and, and spodumene prices have, have risen fast, but it's only in the past couple of weeks that they're actually approaching the level where, uh, decisions will be made to turn back on supply. Right. And so how it, it, and there's a number of different products. There's lithium hydroxide, there's lithium carbonate, there's the Chinese market, there's the ex-China market. You know, my partner Rodney Hooper, who is out there with some you know upgraded forecasting, he sees a uh, undersupply in uh, the market for lithium hydroxide. You know, imminent, like in the second half of this year. Others you may talk to may talk about it, like um, for next year. But if we can continue to grow at the 15, 20, 25% per year, almost every analyst is forecasting sharp deficits, you know, beginning 2022, 2023, you know, as far as the eye can see. And there are, if all of the projects that are half built are turned back on, there's probably a reasonable amount of supply to 2024, 2025. Um, I was just going to jump in, like you said, turning them on, like what kind of, what's the price threshold for those projects? Because now it's like, I've just got the price up here for a lithium hydroxide monohydrate with a minimum of 56.5% lithium iron hydrogen battery grade spot price China or CI of China is $12 a kilo. Right. All right. So what kind uh, of prices we, do we, we, need? we We believe, again, my partner Rodney and I have done some math. We think that an appropriate incentive price needs to be fourteen to $15,000 to, to get in um, the majors to fund new projects at 12, they can be profitable, but it's not, you know, covering the, the additional cost of, of the capex. So for hydroxide, we believe 14, 15,000 for a carbonate project, you know, maybe 12 or 13. And, and those things could actually be a fair bit higher. Um, but uh, because most of these projects tend to be they take longer, they cost more, um, you know, but if you uh, if you believe in their feasibility studies, they should be able to achieve, you know, a, a 15 to 20 percent you know, rate of return if they, you know, can sell carbonate at 12,000 and produce at 4,000 or 5,000. But um, we think the prices will probably be a fair bit higher than that. Uh, Macquarie was out this week with new forecast, new long term forecasts, and they were very bearish two, three years ago. So they've done a complete 180 U-turn. Their long-term forecast for hydroxide is 16,000 and for carbonate, it's 13,000. Okay, fantastic. And okay, for, spod so for spodumene, it's it's 720. Uh, and a typical spodumene, that's a precursor hard rock mineral. 
most of the companies producing that material aim for between three and four hundred dollar costs. So if they're selling, you know, seven twenty, um, you know, the, those I think those are good incentive prices. Those three numbers. Okay, let's talk about demand. And you mentioned two point nine million. I think it was tons. Sorry, uh, of lithium being needed in the next few years. Like, where's that demand coming from? And in, in North America, because we've been talking about the green way or the green energy initiative and infrastructure spending, is that the main driver? Oh, it's coming from everywhere. It's coming like China's been in the lead. Europe has uh, caught up. Um, my, again, my partner Rodney was early calling uh, in, in 2018, 2019 that Europe is going to boom, and he's now early, you know, calling um, you know the, the the U.S. side. And what's also important is it's not so much the the volume of sales as it is the battery cells, right? So in in America, you have big, if, if, if you think the Hummer, the Cybertruck, the Semi, the Rivian, these are going to be very big batteries. If you think China, some of these cars, they're selling for five and $6,000, they have very small battery packs in them. So everyone tends to focus on EV sales, but ultimately the demand for lithium and other battery materials is a function of the batteries. So he's saying that um, America, uh, I don't want to misquote him exactly, but, you know, can surpass China and Europe, you know, within a, a number of years based on the fact that we all want fast charging, long range. And in America, we drive, you know, big trucks. Where, where, where's the source going to come from? Like where the, all the material, what, what's the plan there? It can't be all from the Atacama Desert because we know water is scarce and it's got other uh, local indigenous issues as well. Like what, what's, a, what's, a, what's a green, what's green lithium for you and where, where, where can it come from? It's got to come from a lot of different places. Right now it's like 50-50 Australia to China, right? Hard rock going to China and converted and that's unsustainable in its own way. It's, it's unsecure and it's unsustainable in that you can't just rely on China, and a lot of China is coal-fired, so it's um, it's a high-carbon footprint. You certainly can't rely on uh, just Chile. There's some Argentine projects, but Argentina is you know forever a political mess, and the infrastructure is terrible. So um, the world's uh, if you're GM, if you're BMW, if you're Volkswagen, you know. Uh, uh, relying on Argentina supply or Chile supply is is dangerous, right? You know, you need geographic diversity, you need sovereign risk diversity, and increasingly you need proximity, you know, diversification. So batteries are heavy and uh and and the car industry is not going to go away. It's a huge employer in Germany and Europe and in the United States. So in areas where you have big auto industries, you're going to have big EV industries and you're going to have big battery industries. And the material should not be shipped all around the world. It's not, you, you need, from a manufacturing efficiency point of view, you also want it to be, you know, close by. So I believe that North America, I think Canada and the United States have phenomenal uh, lithium resources. And I, they're building, you know, there's the EVs, then there's the batteries, then before that is the cathodes, then there's the chemicals, and then there's the mined material. So to have a closed loop system in North America, Quebec is trying to attract battery plants and cathode plants, but they have the mined materials and the chemicals. So I believe Quebec, Ontario, 
in North Carolina. You know, the company we represent, Piedmont Lithium, signed a deal with Tesla, you know, in September. Uh, again, that's a hard rock to hydroxide, close proximity. I think there's a lot of, there'll be a lot of lookalike projects and deals like that in uh, like Critical Elements is in Quebec, Frontier Lithium is in Ontario. These are just two of a number of spodumene deposits, you know, in what I'm calling the, the you, you've probably heard of the lithium triangle, you know, Bolivia, uh, Argentina, and uh, and Chile. I'm calling the North American lithium triangle, you know, is from North Carolina to Quebec to Ontario. And that's hard rock to hydroxide. When we do the numbers, actually, this 2.9 million tall, that, um, that, that's carbonate and hydroxide combined. Rodney believes two-thirds of that, so million will be hydroxide. And when you look at the world, like non-China is mostly going to be hydroxide for the EV uh, business. So he thinks that America, just America, not Canada, America, just America will, will require 500,000 tons of lithium hydroxide. So that's about 25% of the overall market will be demand driven from the United States. And I believe that companies like Piedmont, like Critical Elements, like Frontier, and if you add up a couple of others like Namaska and Galaxy and James Bay uh, and a few of the other projects, Sayana, Hard Rock alone, this Hard Rock Lithium Triangle alone could be 150 to 250,000 tons of that 500,000 tons. Okay. So that still leaves, you need more, right? So uh, this Alberta company we mentioned, you know, E3 Metals, uh, there's a lot of lithium that's in the Leduc Reservoir. There's there's lithium in the Salton Sea in California. There's lithium in, you know, Standard Lithium is, is a Vancouver, you know, founded company um, that has a project in El Dorado, you know, Arkansas that's making progress toward, you know, they're calling that the Permian Basin of, you know, liquid lithium. Uh, you know, it, it, so uh, as of today, zero lithium comes from sources like that. All of the lithium comes from, you know, Atacama-like brines or hard rocks in, um, you know, in Australia. But I think the most promising new lithium you know, from North America will come from these, you know, direct lithium extraction, you know, brines. And, uh, you know, Elon Musk's talked about, oh, there's tons of clay in Nevada. You know, it's very speculative as to what, you know, he's doing there. A company, like I said, from the outset, my, the first company I represented for seven years, all I did was talk about, you know, clay in Nevada. You know, we're now in year 12 and we're still many, many years away from clay ever being, you know, in, in, in the mix. So I, I, I think there's promise, you know, in clay, but there's also a fair bit of resistance. Um, it's on federal land in the United States. So, um, you, you know, and we have the as much as you have support from the Department of Energy and, and the Biden administration at the Department of Interior, you have the first you know, Native American um, you know, cabinet secretary who has, you know, fought some mining projects, you know, in um in the Western United States, I think the the Resolution Mine, you know, Rio Tinto, BHP, and you know, so so I just I don't know. Um, I, I feel more optimistic, you know, about DLE technologies than I do, you know, clay 
uh, as additional sources of supply, uh, new sources of supply, but I'm most bullish, you know, the hard rock to hydroxide, lithium triangle, like the companies I mentioned, have, have a great deal of promise. So talking about those companies of promise and me as a novice retail investor in the space, like I, I'm staying away from companies that don't have bankable offtake agreements. I made that my general rule of thumb, right? So from, from your perspective, what, 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 what are actually some companies I should be looking at and what are some pointers I should be looking out for when taking a look at a new lithium company that I haven't heard before? It seems like Vancouver and Toronto hasn't really caught on to the, to the new lithium trend yet. I haven't seen too many new lithium deals being floated around just, just, just yet. So, but if that happens, and I'm sure it's like, this is like, is the Pope Catholic, it's definitely going to happen, right? Uh, what, what should we be looking out for? What's actually feasible? Well, first, Kai, um, there's been a lot of capital raisings in lithium out of Canadian companies in January and February, right? So this lithium 3.0 began um, uh, around September during Battery Day when, when okay. Tesla, you know, announced that they're getting into the cathode business, they're getting into the hydroxide business, and then, it, you know, they partnered. You, you talk about offtakes being important. That was very important to uh, to, to Piedmont. Uh, but since then, a lot of the stocks have gone up and, and a lot of companies have been financed. So I keep track of all of the financings in the lithium space. There's been $4.8 billion raised in the last nine months. More than half of that has been SQM and Albemarle, the biggest lithium company in the world, raising about, you know, both of them combined, $2.6 billion of that $4.8 but still, that's another $2.2 billion. So there's been a lot of, from early stage, you know, $5 million, $10 million. You know, Piedmont just did $123 million um, financing. So, so it's happening, but it's very, 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 very encouraging, Kai, that you said what you just said, because there's so much more retail investors that are, they're not late, but- yeah. They're starting to look, and uh, if they've not like kind of come in and understood this, they need to because a company like Critical Elements and Frontier Lithium is still trading at 150 million market cap. Piedmont was trading at 50, 100 million market cap, you know, six nine months ago. Now it's over a billion dollars. Yeah. Okay, so the scope for those companies to significantly appreciate in value is high. And then even a company like E3 Metals is trading at, I don't know, a $100 million market cap when there are other DLE stories like the Standard Lithium and another one um, in in Germany that's listed on the Australian Stock Exchange has five or 600 million market value. So Canadian, there's actually a Canadian discount, uh, Canadian listed companies, but also Canadian listed companies with Canadian projects are on my lithium market scoreboard trading at significant discounts. So I'd encourage all your viewers to you know kind of do their homework and feel free to like visit our website at rkequity.com or we have a YouTube channel ourselves, Rockstock channel. We're putting a lot of free information out there um, about the the sector and specific companies which um, uh, we think are well positioned to appreciate in value and become part of the lithium supply. Yeah, you, you mentioned the German company. It's actually Rocktech Lithium. How could I forget about that one? Peter Thiel investing into a lithium company. So for for lithium processing, that was really interesting to see. That's um, that's right. You're you're going to get in, in the last cycle. You had SoftBank invest in Namaska, right? Yeah. So. Um, 
Peter Thiel is a, a billionaire. He's a very wealthy guy. His throwing two to three million dollars, you know, it's a good name to kind of put there. But I would be, I would caution your audience and retail investors to they really need to do their homework, right, as to what's actually a really good project. But that is an example of a company that had very little liquidity. And out of nowhere, they attracted a high-profile investor, and their stock just took off on on huge volume. But you know, they only raised five million dollars. There's a lot more to go in that story. Okay. Let's talk about a bit top picks, like you said, like things to look out for. Like, what what are you buying? What are you suggesting right now to look at, or who are you suggesting to look at right now? Well, look, just for full disclosure, we advise our business is advising a number of companies, and we are invested in. Almost all of the companies that we advise, and uh, you know, so critical elements is one that I I bought after Tesla Battery Day. Um, you know, I, I just after seeing uh, that, I figured that there would be uh, further hard rock you know stories that would be um, of interest, and it was trading at a very low valuation. Even I mean, now it's 150 or 200 million dollars. It, it was you know less than 50 million at the time that I bought it. So. That, I like them. I like Frontier. Frontier Lithium has an extremely high-grade deposit in Ontario. I mean, it's you mentioned RockTech, but I think it should trade at a premium um, to that. You know, it's it's a very it's a well-managed company, um, very well connected in the in the in the area. And again, it's probably the the, the perhaps the third highest-grade lithium deposit you know in the world. It's currently small-ish, but it has. Um, significant uh you know exploration you know growth potential and they just raised about seven or nine million dollars so uh, i think they're going to invest a bit more in in drilling that out so i like those two um in canada are among my favorites we still you know love piedmont lithium um it's more de-risk than some of the others it's appreciated a lot more in value what i will say actually is in addition to are being very focused on North American opportunities. A lot of these companies are seeking to list in the United States on a full basis. So uh, you mentioned, I mean, you're from Canada and it's just the the, the attitude, the, the investor base in America thinks differently. And there have been a lot of special purpose acquisition companies going public, you know, including Robert Friedland's Ivanhoe. That's a stock I I like just because you know you're betting on Robert to find you you know an interesting deal, and he seems to be looking at something in the um, you know the clean energy metal space. Although he's not a lithium fan, so I'm not expecting him. You know, I, I got some diversity um, you know by that, but I'm trying to convince him. I've tried to convince him to to better understand lithium, but. Uh, the U.S. market is so much bigger. So a company like Piedmont Lithium and also in rare earths, MP Materials has much, much, much more liquidity uh, from U.S. investors. So companies and a lot of this is part of our advice to a number of the companies is to help them fully list in the United States. And, you know, I think and I hope companies like, you know, Critical Elements like Frontier will do that. Um we do represent in graphite, you know, Elon Musk talks about lithium ion batteries, you know, needing to be called nickel graphite batteries. We, we work with nouveau Mon graphite. We work with Talon metals uh, in nickel. These are two of the best graphite and nickel stories out there, but both of them have articulated interest. And in, in the case of nouveau Mon, you know, have already done a reverse split and are rapidly like, um, moving toward a full U.S. listing. And when you when you do that, 
you know, I think that could be a catalyst for a number of the stocks that do that to tap into, um, you know, a much you're a retail investor, but the the universe in America of retail investors who are invested in Tesla, you know, they they follow everything that Elon Musk says. So when Elon Musk starts talking about nickel and starts talking about lithium, they're like, well, what does this mean? What's going on? So I've done a lot. Rodney and I have been on a lot of YouTube channels of Tesla YouTubers to educate them about this space. So there, there is a very large American investor base. They're currently buying, you know, the OTC ticker of uh, Nouveau Monde or Talon or Critical Elements or or Frontier Lithium. But a lot of them won't do that. And a lot of them won't invest in, don't know, you know, how to buy a, a Canadian listed stock. But if it's properly listed, the stock's above $5, $10, you know, they can buy it with zero commissions in their Schwab or TD Ameritrade account. Um, they'll do that. So Piedmont did that. MP Materials is a SPAC, you know, they listed and, and they did that. Lithium Americas did that as well. That was, um, you know, on my advice, you know, five, six years ago, I said, come to America. They were the first, Piedmont was next, but you're going to see more companies do that. I think Standard Lithium, you know, I, I, I heard mentioned that they're thinking about that. So you, for your audience who's looking at these companies, if, if a company and a management is willing to kind of come to the United States and fully list, it's kind of like they're putting their big boy pants on, right? Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of companies won't do that. They're fearful, right? A manager is like, I don't know, the US is litigious. I don't want to do it, right? If they think that way, then in my opinion, you know, it, 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 it's a company to be taken less seriously. Interesting. Let, let's switch over to a couple questions from the audience as well, because uh, we, we got quite a few in and I'm quite curious. So one of them is, uh, let me see the full question. EMC, EMH and ZZ in the Czech Republic are becoming partners. Do you have an opinion on that? And uh, do you think that will be detrimental to EMH going forward? It's a very specific question, but uh, I'm curious. Uh, well, I... I Thank you for the question. Actually, EMH, European Metals Holdings, is another client of uh, ours. I wanted to focus this conversation on kind of North America, but as he's asked, uh, European Metals Holdings is partnered with CHEZ, C-E-Z, and that's a good thing because CHEZ is a 70% government-owned utility in a small country. Czech Republic's a 10 million person uh, country. And this is the, the former state utility. They're very politically connected. This is like, you know, it's a 10 or 12 billion market cap company, but most of them are, most of their business has been coal fired electricity, right? Over time, but they've gotten into the windmill business. They want to build a battery plant, right? Volkswagen's talking about building, you know, six, um, battery plants. One of which is going to be either in Czech, Slovak, you know, or Poland, there's been a lot of talk, like recently, Chez, Volkswagen. Like, if that comes to the Czech Republic, then you have European Metals Holdings is the biggest hard rock deposit in Europe. Europe does not have as many good quality deposits as I've articulated in Quebec, Ontario, and the United States. So this is kind of the one of the only ones. It's one of the biggest, and um, but they did they sell. European Metals Holdings sold 51% of their project to Chez. So they're a 49% holder. And 
to me, it, normally, like I prefer to be in a majority position than a minority position. But in the case of Standard Lithium that I just mentioned, they have a, a, essentially a one, the project's being valued at $1.3 billion because they only have a 30% economic interest in that. So the market is okay with minority positions. Lithium Americas has only a 49% interest and their stock has, has been high. So I wouldn't I would take this as a very big positive because it's a very well politically connected company and permitting is always an issue, right? They have the right partner. You want to be partnered with them as opposed to, you know, someone else, you know, the Czech Republic's an EU member. Um, I think they're going to get some EU transition funding, right? Because they, they want to wean the country off of coal. So I think they're, this is a D project. Uh, to watch, uh, you know, for Europe. And uh, we, we think you talk about, Kai, you want to wait for offtakes. Um, I'd be a little bit careful on that because the balance of power is, is shifting now to the miners. As a number of companies were like, I need to get a, you know, an offtake with this company, that company. But the auto OEMs, the battery OEMs, they're, they're playing a dangerous game. A lot of the companies I'm talking to are not in a rush to sign offtakes now because they just see this tsunami of demand and if you have a good project so so you should if you wait for the offtake right you may miss the upside of the offtake but very much the european metals holding story is an expectation that they're going to get a european offtake sometime in the next number of months and you know the stock's risen from it's probably tripled or quadrupled in value from 50 million to 200 million but it's still again uh, yeah. talking about piedmont lithium as a billion um you know lithium americas has been as much as two billion you know european metals and Chez. that's a great partnership and um he should feel comfortable not uneasy about it yeah, fantastic and maybe last question as well thoughts on alb and i'm assuming that's album well Yes, I like Albemarle. I think um, I've been interviewed by Real Vision, and he was asking me a price target. So I gave him a two hundred dollar price target with you know a six to twenty four month view. Um, that was when it was like ninety. It's now like one fifty. Um, I still think that look there. Lithium price is going up. This company has the best assets. It's it's very well managed as a um, as, as an S and P five hundred company. It pays a dividend. Uh, but they have the best hard rock. They have the best, um, you know, brine assets, and and they're they're well positioned for both price appreciation and volume growth, right? So between them and Livent and SQM, for me, it's like a no brainer that Albemarle is is where, you know, if you want a safe lithium play, it's the lithium proxy when you and everybody else suddenly said, oh, I need to get involved in lithium. Um, if you don't want to just do the juniors, that's the that's the safe bet. Yeah, it's the barrack gold of the battery metal space, right? So, <laughs> the lithium space, that's, at least. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic, Howard. It was fantastic having you on. It was great chat. I learned a lot. Thanks for opening my eyes on a couple of things. And uh, I'm, as I said, I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to change my perspective. So we need to have you back on for a more for another educational session very very soon. I really appreciate your time. I'd be happy to do it, and I'd encourage you to interview my partner, Rodney, as well. That'd be fantastic, actually. Where, where can people follow you? You mentioned the website before, rkequity.com, but you're also on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I, I, I am the lithium-ion bull, so at lithium-ion bull. Um, 
you know, so that's why I not only like lithium, but all the things that go into the lithium ion battery. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter on, I, I write a fair bit on LinkedIn. Um, I write a newsletter called the lithium bull. Um, and we have a YouTube channel called Rockstock Channel, um, which you can find on YouTube, and I encourage you to subscribe and check out. You know the I'll, videos. I'll tag we started it here underneath the description in the in the description as well, so I'll make sure of that. Yeah, we start we started as a podcast called Lithium Ion Rocks, and then we we transformed it into a YouTube channel called Rockstock Channel. All of these rocks are double and triple entendres, and, and often laced with you know classic you know rock music. So I'll leave you your audience with. Um, just a thought for, uh, you know, Canadian rocker, Neil Young, right. You know, so I say, um, you know, Canada rocks, you know, and, and rocking in the free world, um, you know, is, 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 I think this cycle will be a good place, um, you know, to make quite a bit of money. Sure. Sounds like it. Howard, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Kai. Everybody else, thanks for joining us. This was SF Live episode 167. This was a bit of a special episode as we mostly talked battery metals and lithium graphite uh, with, with Howard Klein here. He's a founder of RK Equity Advisors. Really opened my eyes on a couple of things. So make sure if you haven't watched the whole video or just tuned in late, make sure to start from the beginning and re watch the replay. Also, thanks for following us on YouTube and Twitter. And uh, don't forget to turn on the bell notification as well. As we do all our interviews live, you get the benefit of uh, listening to stock picks or from the CEOs directly. Make sure to use that to your advantage. Also, we will be hosting a future Metals Day on June 23rd and uh, as part of our SF Online Conference Series. So stay tuned for that. We will be putting out more information on that very, very shortly and uh, can't wait to host it. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, we'll be back online tomorrow.